Anyway, back to what I was going to do this morning. Believe it or not, it is one year to the Sunday from when I stood in front of you in my study, having recorded my preach on my phone and said, we're in lockdown. <laughs> we're in lockdown. There I am, look. <laughs> I'm in lockdown. What a handsome chap. I haven't, uh, you know, see this, there's been some grey hair has come in through this last year, honestly. So anyway, this, this, this year ago deal, I stood there and said, hey, we're in lockdown. We've got 12 weeks ahead of us. How are you going to use those 12 weeks? How are you going to kind of do this kind of thing for the next 12 weeks? And little did we know that that was going to be 12 months. Oh, my goodness. That is mad, isn't it? I know we've kind of had some bits in and out of lockdown and all sorts of things over the year. But I I don't think any of us at that point, unless you were really pessimistic, thought, oh, it's going to be a year, over a year, until we can gather as a church in this building to come and worship together. I, I find that absolutely extraordinary, really. Now, in that preach, a year ago, I said, look, there's a couple of things we need to hold on to. The first is Romans 8.28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Okay, so all things work for good. We, we, we went into that with faith. Hey, all things are going to work for good. And I have to say, the, the online church thing has been crazy Never before has the gospel reached so many people in such a time frame as this. Never before has the gospel reached to people who would have no interest in Jesus whatsoever. There has been good that has been happening out of this. So that's the first thing I said. And then the second thing I said was, hey, you need to keep your faith fire burning. Right? You need to keep that, that fire of faith burning. However you need to do that, whatever you need to do, you need to kind of just find ways of burning that that and we had a whole thing every week we were gonna we did a video every week that said hey fuel your faith fuel your faith fuel your faith we need to keep that going and I have to say I have met so many of you and spoken to so many of you who have managed to do that and it is awesome to see how you have grown actually over the last year in your faith I just want to say well done to you it is impressive it is wonderful what God has been doing through adversity through something which is so horrible it is really incredible now for the first time, perhaps, because of um, how the, the vaccine program has been rolled out, because of how things are going on, we're now in a place where we have a, a roadmap in this country, in the UK, a roadmap of how we're going to get out of this kind of scenario. And we have the, the, the real possibility of, from June, actually being able to gather again in this building, which I am so, so looking forward to. I really am. I miss you guys so much. I'm looking forward to seeing you all. I'm looking forward to seeing kids running around this place, to seeing people with their hands in the air worshipping. I am longing for that day. I really am. It's going to be beautiful. Now, I know we're not out of the woods yet. I recognize that. But, hey, we're looking forward to that time. But it did get me thinking about the fact that there are possibly some things that I am going to miss about lockdown. Okay? There are going to be some things that I'm going to miss. I am going to miss turning up to meetings in my slippers. I really am. I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss the commute being like that to my study. You know, I'm I'm going to miss that too. There's going to be some things that I'm going to really, really miss. I am going to miss, and anybody, right, this is a strange one, but anybody who's in kind of any kind of churchy kind of ministry or involved in praying for people or any kind of stuff like that will know this one. I'm going to miss eating garlic. 
right? Because I never used to eat garlic before I went and w- to kind of a prayer meeting or a church meeting of any kind because I knew I was going to have to speak to people and, and pray for them. Maybe I'll just keep wearing my face mask, right? Also, I'm going to miss, and I already do miss this, I'm going to miss my children and wife being around because they're, they were around all the time. Now, I've got to weigh that with homeschooling too, right? But hey, anyway, there's that whole deal of actually, I'm gonna, I, I, I miss them not being around now they've gone back to school. There are things that I am going to miss. Now, what that really triggered in me is the realization that ahead of us, we have got culture shock coming, okay? Now, I don't know if you know what culture shock is, but culture shock is basically if you move from one nation and you go to another nation, it doesn't even have to be a country. It can be a different scenario, really. Even if you change jobs, you get this a little bit, but but it's most noticeable if you move from one country to another country and you move to that country and all of a sudden you're looking around and everything's slightly different. It might be just the shops are different. It might be the people are very different. It might just be the way things are done are very different. But there is a culture shock. It's like, oh, this is different. But there's also something called reverse culture shock. Right? So with reverse culture shock, what happens is that you lived in this country, and then you go away and you visit another country, and then you come back to your original country. But what has happened in that interim period is that everything has changed. You have changed by being in this different place. But also, the people you were left behind, they have changed too. I've actually experienced this a little bit. Um, I went and worked in Mozambique. Now, I grew up in Norfolk in a little town called Sheringham on the North Norfolk coast. And I went and worked in Mozambique uh, after the floods in 2000. And so the country was decimated. It was obviously a completely different culture. And I lived there for for a little while. And then when I came back to, to Norfolk, I found out that my world perspective had changed radically. I had seen some horrific things. I had seen poverty on a level that I'd never experienced before. I'd seen suffering on a level I had never seen before. And so I came back having been radically changed. And then I met up with my mates in in the pub in Sheringham, and and they hadn't been radically changed. (laughs) They were still quite similar. And so I experienced this kind of reverse culture shock. Now, why am I telling you about culture shock and reverse culture shock? Because we are about to hit that very thing. As we start to resume some kind of level of life, which seems like it was before, we are going to hit reverse culture shock. And as you come into this place and you start worshipping together, when you look around, there are going to be people who have radically changed. I mean, my boys have grown four to six inches in the last year. That's just a physical growth. But there are going to be other people who have grown majestically and beautifully during this year and almost won't be recognizable. You're going to look around the room and you're going to think, oh, my goodness, there's some differences here. People seem different. I seem different. What's going on? And so we need to prepare our hearts for that. And we need to ask the question, how are we actually feeling about this? How are we actually feeling about coming out of this season How are we feeling about the kind of the roadmap that's been laid ahead? For some people, you're going to be like, yoo-hoo, come on! Yeah, here we go! For other people, you're like, ah, I don't know about this. This seems a bit, oh, I don't know what's going on in Europe right now. Oh, my goodness, what's going on? I don't know. Is there going to be another variant? I'm I'm a a bit hesitant, a bit scared, a bit worried. You're kind of, you're on the back foot. Now, both of those feelings are legitimate. They really are. That's okay. As we kind of look to what's coming on, we, we have these two kind of strange dichotomies into us of kind of both uh, excitement and kind of like, oh, 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 I don't know, nervousness would be the word. 
There's these two kind of trepidation or joy, things mixed up together. All of those things are going on, right? So as we come out of this, we need to recognize that. Now, you know, we're starting in-person meetings on Easter Sunday, and it's great to see how quickly people signed up for that. We've only got limited space, you know, whereas before we could fit, what, 200, 250 people in this place. Now we can only fit, like, 25. It's crazy, isn't it? Social distancing, thanks. So we're, we're kind of like, but those tickets went voomph like that. Now, for some people, I know you couldn't wait. You were like, click, 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 refresh, refresh, refresh. I want to get the ticket. Other people are going, you know what? I might be there at Christmas, maybe. Both of those reactions are okay. I want to tell you that. Both of those reactions are okay. But I think what's important is that we are aiming for something here. That we can't let what has happened for the last year be our normality. We can't think that online church is how it's meant to be. If we go to Joshua, what we see there is a people on the edge of normality. A people on the edge of normality. What you have here is you have a man called Joshua. And Joshua has been chosen by God to leave, lead the people of God into the promised land. Now, the promised land was an area that God had given or set aside for his people. And Moses had led the people of God out of Egypt through the Exodus, through the kind of the Red Sea, the passing of the Red Sea, and they'd gone into the wilderness. Now, I don't think they were meant to be in the wilderness for how long they were. There was a bit of a mess up, a bit of a a kind of a mistake in there, and they ended up wandering around for 40 years. And you thought 12 months was bad, right? 40 years they were wandering in the wilderness. Wow, that's a long time, isn't it? But all of a sudden, they come to this place where they are standing on the bank of the River Jordan. And the River Jordan marked the boundary of where God had set them as a country and a nation and a place to be. And so on the other side of the Jordan was this beautiful land, a land described as flowing with milk and honey. It was a place where they could settle, not a wilderness to wander around anymore, a place where they could settle. And so they're standing on the edge of the river looking over and going, ooh, this is a change. This is going to be something different. You see, their normal for 40 years had been defined by wandering. They'd been wandering around. Now, the good thing is they'd just gone wherever God had led them, but they had been wandering around in the wilderness. They'd had children born in the wilderness. So the only thing they knew was that. After 40 years, their habits and their patterns were determined and dictated by wilderness survival and living, not by how God wanted them to live. So they had some patterns and places. After a year of digital church, we need to know that that is not normal. We may have got into some patterns, into some habits, into some places, but it's not normal. You could be watching this at 3 3 a.m. in the morning or 3 p.m. in the afternoon because you've got it into your pattern if that's where it fits, but that's not how it's meant to be. We are not meant to be people who are individual doing the same thing. We are meant to be a people together doing the same thing. There's a significant difference there. And so as we start to gather together, we need to recognize that that is God's plan and purpose for his people. For all of the amazing things that online church has done, and, uh, you know, we'll continue doing it. We're going to continue streaming our services. You know, we want to bless people here, but that's in order to draw them into something more. We're meant to be together. We're meant to do this thing together, in person, together, seeing one another. 
And so as we stand on the edge of the Jordan, if you like, looking into what could be the promised land, we need to say, right, okay, what, what can we get from this? How did the people of God prepare themselves? And that is my first point, really, is that they are prepared for the change. So I'm going to read from Joshua 3, 1 to 4. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from a place I'm not going to mention, and they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of the three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length, Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. The first thing we notice is that there is a deliberate action here, okay? A deliberate action. Here are some of the phrases that are used in here. Early in the morning. I don't know about you. The only time I get up early in the morning is I've got something to do. Early in the morning. Then... They set out, a deliberate setting out. Follow the presence. Follow the presence of God. The thing which had defined them all this time, God's people, was still to be the thing which led them on. Forty years of wandering could have led to some very interesting habits, but all of a sudden a new pattern is about to emerge. No longer would they need the kind of the wilderness survival kit that they had, the tents, the, the kind of the lifestyle, the kind of all the, the, the stuff that goes with that, the trappings of that lifestyle. Now they were going to a place where they would settle, where they would have homes, where they would say, this is where I belong. No longer wandering, now becoming a people. In 2019, I was very blessed that me and my family managed to go to Disney World. It was awesome and great timing. I've got to be honest with you with regards to everything that then happened. But so in 2019, we went there. Now, when we booked it in 2018, oh my goodness, it seems a lifetime away now, I got an email from the lovely people at Disney World saying, hey, you can now book your restaurants six months ahead of when you get there. And what is more, you can book the rides that you're going to go on three months ahead of when you get there because there's this thing called Fast Pass and it means you can just get past the queues and you don't have to wait. I was like, yeah, six months, three months, right, whatever. And then I looked into it, and they were like, no, you really do need to book these things. You need to decide what you're going to do six months ahead and three months ahead of when you're going to be in Florida for two weeks, what you're going to do on every particular day. Okay, now I'm quite an organized person, but that took me to a whole new place. I had to get spreadsheets out. I had to kind of work out all these different things. I was like interviewing the kids, showing them videos, saying, what do we need to do? What do you want to do here? Where do you want to be? I think Karis, my wife, got a little bit scared by, oh, kind of Mark, you need to calm down now. But all of that planning meant that when we got there, we had a breeze because we just wandered into restaurants. We didn't need to queue up. We didn't have an hour waiting in line for a ride. We just wandered on. All that preparation meant that we were able to go and have a fantastic holiday, a fantastic time. Now, I don't think we need to go to that crazy level, but now is the time to sort out your diaries. Because if your diary looks anything like mine, there is not an awful lot going on in it to write now. But what will happen in about three months is it will just go, whoomph, because everything will start to happen. 
So if you don't determine now what are the key things to sort out and put in place, then it will get filled with stuff which perhaps you do not need. What's more is that there's a load of stuff actually which is determining your day and let's be honest, the last 12 months have not been busy for anyone really. I know work for some people has been crazy and for, if you're in medical profession or teaching, I get it. But for a lot of people, it's not been that busy in terms of other bits of lifestyle. But there are some things that you've started to put in which you think are now necessities. Now is the time to look at all of that stuff and go, right, what is important and what is going to enable me to demonstrate the kingdom of God best as I now emerge in this? How am I going to do that? So what I'd encourage you to do, a bit of homework for you, is to get a piece of paper, put a line straight down the middle, put 10 things on the left-hand side that you know are things that you want to see happen. And I'd suggest time with God and being with God's people, a couple of those. And then on the right-hand side, anything you know that you need to just get rid of. That it, it may have been really helpful for a season. Joe Wick's workouts, great for a season. I might not be taking them forward. Other people might, I don't know. But there's just this thing. This, there is a unique opportunity right now, just as we had a unique opportunity a year ago to set things in place that fueled our faith, now we have a unique opportunity to start processing and putting things in place that will take the kingdom forward in greater measure. A unique opportunity. And there is an urgency in this, folks. There is an urgency in this. Never before, as I said, have people heard the gospel or been connected with church online in ways that they have been in the last 12 months. There are going to be people out there who are ripe for the harvest, who just want to know Jesus. That might be you watching today, and I'd say, hey, get connected to the prayer team. They will bless you. They will help you find out how to know Jesus better. But right now, it is a question of saying, what can I do to help all these people who have had all this amazing stuff thrown at them over the last 12 months? How can I help them? What can I do in my life? How can I make the most of my life in the next season to say, right, the kingdom of God is going to be the priority to see that come, to see his kingdom, to see his rule, to see his reign come in greater measure in individuals' lives through salvation and through transforming society. Those are the things to really press into for this next season. You see, in Joshua 3, 5 to 6, we read that holy people do holy things. So Joshua 3, 5 to 6 says, Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. What is going on here is that Joshua says you need to consecrate yourself. And consecrate has two meanings. It means to make holy or to prepare. Both of those things we need to remember are things that have been done for us by Jesus on the cross. In the great, wonderful, beautiful exchange, we are made holy because he died for us. He took our sin, we got his holiness, his righteousness, if you like. We did that. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. But within that, we still need to remember to be holy. 
Just because you've been made holy doesn't mean you behave holy. You still need to behave out of your identity. I don't know what it's been like in your street, but in my street, it seems like everybody has ordered a skip in the last 12 months at some point. I think everyone on our street has had a skip at some point. We've had one too. And what we use that for is to get rid of everything we did not need. We cleared the house out. We cleared the garage out. There was stuff we had not touched for 10 years we've been there. <laughs> Thinking, oh, okay, yeah, we do not need that. We've not touched it in 10 years. Let's get rid of that. So we had a massive clear out, and everybody's been doing the same. Uh, I think that TV companies have noticed this too, because Stacey Solomon is just about to do a TV series where she goes into someone's house, under their permission, by the way, just to flag that, and she takes all of their belongings, every single possession they have, takes it to a warehouse, spreads it out across the floor, and then gets the people in and goes, right, let's have a look here. You appear to have 15 of this thing. I'm not sure you need that many toasters. Let's get rid of all of them except one, shall we? Okay, yeah, phone chargers. You seem to have 38 phone chargers. 36 are for redundant models. Shall we get rid of some of those? You know, that seems like a good idea. And helps people streamline their lives. Now, as we emerge from this situation, we need to leave the rubbish behind. There is no point taking rubbish with you. If you have developed habits, and they, they could be sinful or they might just be unhelpful, then they need to be left behind as we emerge from this. And today is as good a day as any to say, you know what, I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to leave that behind. I don't need that anymore. See, holy people are here for the sake of the world. It's not about me and Jesus. It's about me and Jesus because I've got to take that on and change the world. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. On one level, being a Christian is incredibly simple. Preach the kingdom of God and the good news of the kingdom. See the sick healed. See demons flee. That's what Jesus did. That's what we're to do. Most Christians do not need more knowledge or more information, I should say. They need to do what God has instructed them to do. This is what we are called to be. Joshua 3.7 says, The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. The third thing we need to remember as we stand on the bank of the Jordan looking into this thing is that God has been there, done this before. A pandemic is not unprecedented in the world. There have been pandemics before. And off the back of that, often there has been a massive move of God as people realize that they need to know Jesus. We have an incredible history with God in this church. 
He has done miracle after miracle after miracle. We have seen prayers answered. We have seen provision on a ridiculous level. We have just seen the presence of God in such significant measure in this room. We have seen promise after promise from God met and fulfilled. We have an amazing history. So we know that he is going to do that again. Joshua 3, 8 to 13. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of Lord your God. And Joshua said, here is how you shall know the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from you before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Pesites, the Gizzites, the Amorites and the Jebusites. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord of all the earth, is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one When the people left Egypt, they went through the Red Sea and the waters parted. Now as they enter into the promised land, the Jordan parts and they can enter in. God is with us. And it's the living God. Not a dead God. Not a statue. A living God. In two weeks we celebrate Easter when we remember Easter Sunday and Jesus risen from the dead. He is alive and in heaven and he's active. Right now he is active. He is not passive, okay? He is not passive. He is active and alive. He is not disinterested. He is interested. He is praying for you right now, interceding on our behalf. So that when we pray and we align ourselves with his will, we see those things happen now. Jesus is alive. He describes himself as living water. And the fact that we receive living water. John's already mentioned that this morning. Holy Spirit pouring out on us like living water. We get to receive a living God. And have a relationship with him which sees his kingdom progress and move forward. Our God goes before us to see his will be done. But it does require us to take a step. The Jordan would not have parted had the priests not stepped into it. The Jordan would not have parted had the priests not stepped into it. We have a part to play in stepping into all that God has in store for us. I'm going to invite the band up, and as they come up, I need to say to you, look, get ready. Get ready. (laughs) Prepare yourselves. Look at your lives and go, right, what can I do to make the kingdom, kingdom of God shine more brightly in my life? What can I do to make Jesus the center? What can I say to those people around me to make sure they know about Jesus? How do we do this? How do I do that? And it's going to be different for every single one of you. I can't tell you what to do. I'm going to rely on God doing it. 
But what I would like us to do is to do a prophetic exercise here. So just as the presence of God went before the people and everybody had to pass in front of it, we're going to do a similar thing now as a prophetic act. Now, I need to remind you that if you are a Christian, you have God dwelling inside you. Okay, so this isn't about the presence of God thing in the same way it was here, but I believe there is a prophetic action, an action of stepping out and walking, which is going to symbolize that preparedness for what God is going to do with us in this next season. So I'd like you to all stand up, and what I want you to do is I want you to walk past your television or your tablet or your phone or your device or whatever it is. I want you to get up and to walk past it, okay? And as you walk past it, don't do it yet, as you walk past it, I'm just going to pray over you, okay? That's all I'm going to do. I'm just going to bless you, and I'm going to, pr- I'm going to pray over you as you do that. And, and if the elders are watching, if they could pray over people too, that would be really cool, okay? So that would be good. So let's, let's go for it, people. So all stand up, get on one side of your screen or TV, and start walking across. Now, Heavenly Father, I bless every single person walking in front of their device TV, whatever it is right now, as they do this as a symbol of faith, as a symbol of they are ready to follow wherever you go. They are ready to go into whatever you've got in store for them, the promises over them, the blessings over them. I pray just a release of favor over them and that you would be speaking to people about preparedness right now, that you would be speaking to people about what they need to leave behind and what they need to carry forward. I speak to people right now with divine revelation that they would be able to know how to take the kingdom forward in their street, in their workplace, with friends, with family, wherever it is, they would just have incredible revelation right now about how to do that. I bless you in the name of Jesus right now. I bless you. And also, if there's anybody watching right now that you go... This Christianity lark seems weird, but I want to follow it further. I just want to pray for you. So all you need to do is just say, Heavenly Father, I turn to you in the name of Jesus. I put myself under your rule as my king, and I turn away from the other stuff. So just say, I turn to you in Jesus' name. If that's you, you don't know Jesus, I just want you to know him now. Bless you. If you have done that, just get in touch with somebody on the sidebar or uh, go onto the prayer ministry, follow the Zoom link. We'd really love to hear from you. But let's just finish by worshipping and praising this amazing God and the presence we follow.